this is Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization engaging the public on critical quality of life issues so we make informed choices for our community's future. Visit us on the web at seavilletomorrow.org. On November 7, 2017, voters in the Jack Jewett Magisterial District go to the polls to elect their representative to the Albemarle County School Board. This recording is Mike Reingold's October 9, 2017 interview with Kate Acuff. Acuff, the incumbent, is unopposed. Ms. Acuff, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville Tomorrow. The complete audio recording and written transcript for this interview will be available online. Information from this interview will be used in the compilation of a nonpartisan voter guide produced by Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow does not endorse any candidates, and our goal is to provide information to the public so that they can make an informed vote on issues primarily related to land use, transportation, public education, and community design. As you are aware, the first two questions you will be asked have been provided in advance, and for others, you will, you will have been provided only the topic in advance. All school board candidates will be asked the same questions. We ask that you keep these questions confidential until all candidates have been interviewed. Each candidate will be provided an opportunity to review the excerpts selected for the voter guide before its publication. Are you ready to start? I am, Mike. Question one. Please describe your past experience that qualifies you to be on the Albemarle County School Board. I have a background and training in law, public policy, science, uh, and I've worked in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. And I have, uh, I'm completing my first term on the school board, the past two years of which I've served as chair. I think I have a broad understanding of government, policy, and the importance of public schools in our community. And I would be delighted to be reelected to continue doing that. Question two. What is your top priority for action by the school board during the next four years? Well, I've learned on my first four years that you can't ever see what, what's down the road, but on the immediate agenda is making decisions about the high school. We have recently redesigned the curriculum for uh, high schools, uh, which is available online, and it's called Profile of a Graduate 2022, so we will be rolling that out in uh, next fall, in the 18-19 school year. But Dovetailing with that is decision-making about the capital, about the, the issues of uh, capacity at our high schools uh, and uh, modernization of the high school environment. We have charged our consultant uh, to look at our high school students and not simply solve the Albemarle High School problem uh, because uh, Western Albemarle just enrolled 55 more students this year than they did last year, so the capacity issues are not localized to Albemarle High School. So we need to make decisions about what are the appropriate facility decisions for all of our almost 4,500 high school students. Question three. What are your priorities for the Charlottesville Albemarle <laughs> Technical Education Center? And should KTEC build a new facility at Piedmont Virginia Community College? I was I served for two years on the on the KTEC board right when I got on the school board and uh, that was when they were launching the academies. Uh, the issue with a fundamental issue I think with KTEC students is continuing to make it relevant. We have had 
until the academy uh, format was instituted and we got some new leadership, we had been losing steadily enrollment. Uh, it's now on a slight uptick. Um, I think uh, a challenge is that it is isolated from the other high school students and you really have to make a bifurcated choice. Am I going to stay in the academic track or, or go to the K-Tech? And there are students, and I've heard from parents, that their, you know, their, their son enjoys AP, uh, you know, math, but he also would like to take some culinary arts. So how do we integrate that experience in the overall experience? And that's a real challenge. Uh, with respect to PV, uh, building a new facility at PVCC, um, I know that the KTEC board has uh, reopened that, that discussion, and I know that uh, Frank Friedman at PVCC has offered us, you know, a plot of land to build. Um, as you probably know, KTEC decision making is not is jointly done with the city. Uh, in my view, um, since we have the preponderance of the students by a large margin, I think at some point we may have to make decisions based on what's good for our students. Uh, I know, I mean, so that is one issue, is whether we can come to an agreement to that. But of course the other issue is finances, and I know the county has a lot on its plate right now with courthouses, possible high schools, and PVCC, KTEC facility might be too much right now. One follow-up on that, Kate. The um, academies you mentioned, those are the specialty centers at the, at the comprehensive high schools. Is that what you mean? No, I mean the, the, there are academy structures also within KTEC. Within okay, gotcha. So, and how they mesh with those academies, you know, they don't right now. I mean, there's sort of a, an IT track. We have a new Cisco IT lab, which is quite exciting with, uh, you know, they spent a lot of money helping us set that up. Uh, so there's that track, and then there's other tracks. Uh, I have to say I'm a little rusty on the substance of those. Uh, but there's a health and medical sciences track. Um, with an idea, the concept is to more tightly connect them with credentialing and credentialing that goes beyond a high school degree. You know, So coursework at PVCC, for example, which would reinforce the, the importance of considering moving out there. Question four, why do we have persistent achievement or opportunity gaps? How do we ensure student <coughs> success is no longer predicted by a student race or any other cultural, economic, or social factor? Um, we have, uh, the only initiative that we paid for, that we, that we funded uh, for this school year is a three-year pilot that is focused tightly on uh, equity and access in our elementary schools. Clearly, that's an issue throughout our division, but we are looking at, at the initiative con contemplates looking at the social, emotional, and academic development of our students. We focused on the Urban Ring Elementary Schools because over 2,000 of our 6,000 plus elementary schools are located in those four schools. Uh, and also because those four schools, although the overall um, percentage of low-income students, which may also overlap with race in, to a large degree, uh, unfortunately. Um, 
they, although the overall percentage of low-income students is 28.8% last year in our schools, the percentages in our Urban Ring Elementary schools range from 42 to 78.8%. So we have not only a large number of students, but also a high percentage, a high concentration of students who are at risk uh, for not achieving their potential. So we are devoting additional resources. We've been doing that, uh, focusing on academics <clears throat> for quite a few years, and we've seen some improvement in SOLs. But what we see with, for example, our third grade reading and math SOLs, overall we look great. We really do as a school division, about 80% pass, both the math and the, and the reading. But if you break out the low income, it's more like 50. I mean, it's 54 in math and 47 in reading. So there's a consistent problem. I mean, we can do what we can do, and we're, we're de determined to close that gap. But you know that the gap is um, bigger than what schools do when kids come into pre-K already behind their peers. So we're, we are hopeful that the lessons learned from this initiative can be translated and applied across the division. Question five, how should the school division ensure student success in the world <clears throat> of work and college beyond academics? Great question. Um, one of the things with the revised curriculum for high school students is uh, a strong uh, requirement for our juniors and seniors to do community-based work, whether that's unpaid community projects or job shadowing, apprenticeships and internships. And so um, I, I think uh, for that we will of course need to have a real strong connection with the community to make that successful, to identify those kinds of opportunities for our students. Um, I mean the other thing is that we even beyond this in grade school initiative, I've been to elementary school initiative, uh, you know we really try to develop our students uh, and in I mean, one of our priorities is to engage every student and engage them in, what is it, PPP work, pro problem, project, and passion-based work so we can help them find the kinds of uh, coursework activities that they really are, care about. Uh, and so part of what the revised curriculum for high school is also is a freshman seminar, which will go the entire year to help identify those things and one of the things that we talked about with our consultants is that perhaps uh, it's contraindicated the idea of a freshman seminar so you can develop your ideas where you want to go uh, is sort of flies in the face of having to decide in eighth grade that you want to go to a four-year academy so maybe we need to have other academy like options for our students maybe a two-year you know engineering academy uh, maybe some students don't know when they're 13, that that's what the way we want to go. So we're, we're working on different kinds of um, educational pathways uh, and uh, activities for our students. Question six, name both a revenue item and an expense item in the school budget that you're <clears throat> concerned about and tell us why. Well, the revenue item, I have to say, this, since the Great Recession in 2008, the state contributions to our schools, I think, are if you if you look cumulative of what they have not paid us uh, based on 2008 levels, they're about 60 to 70 million dollars behind, and we have had to absorb that as a local uh, 
jurisdiction. Um, they have started increasing that, and there's some suggestions that the state contribution will be increased again this year. So, you know, that is, <clears throat> given that we're a county and we don't have the, the, the full extent of the taxing toolbox that the city has, uh, that puts a huge burden on our local property owners, that plus land use and other things. So uh, we really need, um, it would be very beneficial for the state to continue to sort of bring up its um, contribution um, to take the burden off our local property owners. Um, in terms of expense, um, two things we're working on, and the next question looks at that. Um, expense items, what, about close to 80% of our total budget it relates to personnel one way or the other. So any little change in increasing compensation or increasing health care costs, it certainly some of them are passed on, a lot of them are passed on to our teachers, but it also dramatically impacts uh, our school budget. Um, so keeping, and we've made a lot of progress in the past two years keeping our health care cost um, lower than were, was originally projected. But that's an ongoing expense that we're really following quite closely. And I mean, the other in terms of expense item, um, we continue to grow as a school division. I mean, we have, I think, the early, early, early enrollment numbers about 120 more students, um, and we continue to add, uh, which increases both the operating and the capital sides of the budget, because we need more space with more students. Question seven. What will you change about teacher <coughs> compensation and performance measurements if elected? In the past year, we've had between two and 300 students from students, letters from teachers, um, asking that we take a fresh look at how they're compensated and what the market basket is. And we did a study that was reported out, I believe, in the spring. That, and their concerns were that you can't afford to be a teacher and live in Albemarle County. I mean, Albemarle County is an expensive county to live in. A lot of our teachers are delighted to be working for a top tier, high performing school division, but they can't afford to send their own kids here. So that's a real challenge. And we've had conversations with the Board of Supervisors about the need for more affordable housing, which they realize is also an issue for police and, and, and others. Um, we, in the study, they did show, uh, the other issue that the teachers raised was, why are we looking at these 26 different school divisions as our comparison group? We should only be looking at top performing school divisions. And so we had a study that looked at that and see to see where we were in that mix. If you look at 10 top, top ranked school divisions in the state. Interestingly enough, uh, we did pretty well, mostly. I mean, we were right in the middle uh, of the top 10 performing school divisions in the state. Where we fell down was areas that we had cut during the Great Recessions. Stipends for teachers for doing extra things like coaching or being ahead of a department or other kinds of activities that they do. We were way below on that one. And we were not, we were below on more senior, more experienced teachers. You know, 15 years out or with a couple extra degrees, we flattened out pretty quickly. Um, so we have begun talking about whether we should change our market basket. There's pros and cons to that. 
I mean, if you do a ranking system, it changes every year, right? Um, but uh, do we, you know, and costing out what it would take to bring us up, even if we didn't use that as our market basket, and looking at, you know, some sort of longer-term plan for doing that, because we probably can't write a check this year. And making the whole compensation issue more transparent to the teachers, because you can say you're going to have a 2% raise, teacher raise, but as you may know, um, that depends on your grade levels and all the different stratifications, and some teachers might get 3% and some might not get any. So that's a real challenge. Um, Question eight. What would you like to see changed about the way the school board and the superintendent do business, both at its meetings and outside the public eye? Hmm. I, I think we do quite well working together. I think what, if I could change anything, would be to find more effective ways to engage the public. I mean, because um, we do podcasts. I'm, I'm not sure how many people listen. Um, but when we do town halls, you know, talking about the budget or talking about a new high school or whatever, it's very, very difficult to get people to show up. And what I found last year when we were talking to the community about the referendum is you really have to go where the people already are. I mean, you know, so go to the Rotary Club or the Kiwanis Club or the Senior Center or uh, the Real Estate Association um, and, and go where they are. So. I think it's going to be really important uh, as we roll out whatever choice we make in terms of high school to engage the public. Um, we tend to get some people coming out when there's a particularly naughty issue, but otherwise, as in K-N-O-T-T-Y, not the other naughty. But, um, but otherwise, it's very, very difficult. We have 10 people show up, and it's, it's, it's I don't know how to do a better job but that's a high priority for me. Question nine. If elected, <clears throat> what will you do to help our community move forward in the aftermath of this past summer's violent demonstrations, and how will you seek to best represent and effectively serve our economically and racially diverse communities? Um, we have had, I, have, I found it interesting that after August 11, 12, that we were really primed to see some sort of uh, reaction among our students or teachers uh, or anybody in the staff. Um, and, what, and so we, <coughs> you know, the, the, the student counselors were ready, the principals talked with the staff, the resource people in the libraries or the diversity specialists um, put together materials for the classroom. And there was very little reported um, negative reaction. I mean, people talked, product, you know, engaged in the issue and talked about it in the classrooms. We as a school, uh, the superintendents of the city and the county and uh, the chairs of the school boards, we wrote a letter to the community. But th that's probably not enough. I'm, I'm quite certain it's not enough. I mean, one of the things that we're going to be doing with the equity and access um, initiative as part of that is a, a much bigger outreach to the community. I mean, certainly that's focused on low-income families, and clearly they're not all, that's not a racial issue entirely, although unfortunately it's disproportionately 
um, African Americans and others, uh, English language learners that are, are represented. Uh, so we have um, one of the, the, the specialists that are part of this team, the initiative team, uh, and will be going out to the communities a lot more and trying to engage them in education. Um, what we've done in the school buildings, uh, you know, we have culturally responsive teaching and we started certifying our teachers for that. Uh, and we have uh, responsive classrooms which are looking at um, student social emotional development as well as academic and that's sort of a forum for community building in the classroom. Um, Beyond that, I mean, it's it's harder. I think it's harder. Um, although it, and one of the recent um, events that sort of underscored race relations in some measure was the closing of Yancey Elementary School, which uh, pointed out how important it was to engage the community, even though they disagreed with you, your decision on that. But going forward, how to engage the community in terms of future uses for the for the facility. It's an ongoing effort. Question 10. What are your priorities for the school division's future facility needs? Well, we sort of touched on that at the beginning, but we have to make a decision about what kinds of improvements we're going to make in terms of high schools. Uh, how are we going to address capacity? How are we going to address uh, modernization? Uh, and how are we going to address transportation uh, to give students at high school level access to all the, all the uh, different kinds of programs that are available. Um, the other issue is since closing Yancey, we had to reassign those 118 students to either Scottsville or Red Hill elementary schools. And for Scottsville, there was already on the long-term uh, capital plan a priority list it was already scheduled to have an expansion, but it was way down on the list. Uh, we've had to put a four-trailer, four-classroom learning cottage on the side to accommodate those additional students. And so we're going to have to move up an expansion to Scottsville, I think. Um, with the Woodbrook expansion that's being done right now, that was financed under the referendum, that should take care of our Urban Ring Elementary School needs for the next, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, we have other needs. We had 40 students additionally show up at Baker Butler. So we have, you know, we have facility needs, but I think in terms of capital, um, once we get past the high school, continuing to modernize our facilities is high on my capital needs list. I mean, we've got our average core facility is 48 years old, you know. Um, Western is 40, 41 years old, and it was built in an era wh where they really like concrete walls and no windows. So a lot of the classrooms don't have any natural light. Uh, so that, that'll be an ongoing pro process. Question 11. What are your views on the role of technology <clears throat> in education, and what issues related to technology should the board be responsible for addressing? I think technology can be an extraordinary benefit in education if it's used right and it's not used just as your uh, textbook. It really needs to be integrated into the entire learning experience and we are now um, at one-to-one -one computing all the way down to third grade. 
Um, the challenge with that is that we're a 726 square mile county and not everybody has access to high speed internet and if you're wanting to genuinely address equity and access you can't send kids home with a, a laptop that they can't connect to the so we're really working on our initiative to extend broadband or fiber optics throughout the county um, I think uh, and we've done we've done our first first uh, step out on that was to um, Southwood community a couple years ago but we want to ensure that all of our students have access to the internet I mean, we can't we can't say that we're one-to-one -one technology if they can't get on when they go home so that is something we can work with the county to do because they're very interested also okay Acuff, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville tomorrow thank you for having me